Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. My name's Nate Heininger, and I am joined this week by two slicey co-hosts. Laura Nash. And the dicey co-host, Shane Kelly. <laughs> and this week we are talking about a great little game called Slice and Dice. But before we do that, we have to address directly, we want to send our love and congratulations to Reagan, who is obviously not on the episode with us tonight, because him and his wife have welcomed into the world the birth of their third child, which Woo! now makes, I think, six yeah. kids have been born in since the beginning of this podcast. So I am we're, not we're... pulling my weight. Reagan is doing. Uh, we've got yeah, Reagan's much of it like, like he does for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we're we're growing our replacement when this pod when we end. You know, we've got to hand the show off to the kids and. And Reagan's making sure there's plenty of co-hosts to keep the show rolling. So Up next uh, on the short stack, it's a <laughs> bunch of three-year-olds talking about Paw Patrol. Yep. And, How many uh, years until it just turns into a kids' gaming podcast? <laughs> it kind—I mean, you—you you all did Kirby last week, and uh, so it, it's kind of becoming slowly already a kids. I think podcast. we've got to schedule something really inappropriate to counteract this trend. Hey, well, it's spooky month. It is spooky month, and at least this game has murder. So we're, uh, you know, we're we're getting back a little <laughs> bit. So uh, it's cute and delightful murder, but it's still murder. So mm. this pixelated is a really cool blood game. is still blood. It is, yeah. This is a really cool game. Before we jump in, I want to uh, give a shout out to this game was actually recommended to us um, over Twitter by uh, at purple hat dave so thank you for the recommendation um took us a little bit to get to it but i'm really really glad that we did you know this is a game that is right up my alley and i'm really glad that the two of you uh played it as well it sounds like everyone such a nate game i'd say it's a nate and shane game yeah. but laura i'm glad that you're here with us because uh I'm glad that to know that you liked it as well. Some of these sort of crunchier roguelikes, you know, I know you enjoy, but they get thrown to me and Shane a lot, but I think you like them just as much as we do most of I the like time. them just as much, and I'm incredibly judgy about the UI. So when one comes and I don't have to think and everything is clearly communicated to me, I am going to like, that is like adding 30 bonus points on my review. Yeah. Like, not only was this oh, yeah. fun, but I enjoyed the design decisions Ar Hooray! arguably the best yeah arguably the really the best part about this game is its design and uh ui elements but um before we get into the into the nitty-gritty of what makes this game good i guess we should start sort of high level shane do you want to try to take a crack at explaining what this game is sure so slice and dice is a uh roguelike RPG um, that uses dice to represent all of your characters. And your party starts off with that full classic adventuring party of a, a, let me stop for a minute and see if I can even remember. It's like a thief, a warrior, a defender, which is just another warrior, I think. Like a, like a paladin, you know? Shield it's kind of, guy. Yeah, shield guy. Shield boy. And then you have two magic uh, characters, one called the Acolyte and the other called the Adept, right? So each of these characters is represented by one die, 
one six-sided die. And um, it plays out very much like um, your traditional RPG, everybody line up on the side of the screen kind of combat, right? Um, the, the thing that makes it uh, kind of really unique is that each of these dice is really carefully constructed. Like every ability that you see on one side of the dice is an attack or um, other kind of combat action. And you and the enemies are all rolling these dice. And I like a lot of these uh, classic, uh, what do you call them? Roguelike structured kind of games. You're, you have a pretty clear understanding of what your enemy is going to do. And you have to act and respond to it. So in a way, this kind of reminded me of um, another short game favorite. The, uh, the, the thing with the space, space annoyeds. Um, and you move the little uh, chess piece boys around. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Reagan, where are you? Uh, you got to bail me out. I don't remember the names of any of the games like, we've covered. Advance Wars? No, I'm thinking about the uh, the, the space one with the, the giant monsters. I truly can't think of what this you're is, thinking this of. Is, this is perfect radio. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, you think about that for a little while. See if you can figure it out. I'm sure it's right on. It's something that I should know as well. But yeah, it's a it's a really straightforward design. You've got your your team on the left. You have for every active party member, you have a single die, and the the round will start first by the enemy rolling their die, and the enemy is a slew of classic dungeon crawling bad guys. You've got. Trolls and goblins, rats, a lich, witches. Yeah, well, there's boss fights, you know. So of course you've got your liches and and witches and whatnot, and they all roll their die. And yeah, like Shane said, you can see very clearly what it is that they're going to do, who they're going to attack, and what the effects of that attack will be. And then you roll your die, and let's say your first character, it's a rogue. They have a six sided die. Uh, four of those die sides will be a basic attack. One will be a sort of vanish move that removes all um, damage against them. And then the sixth will be a blank. And you roll your, let's say you have five active party members. You get a great little display of the five die each for, you know, one for each of your characters. Mm -hmm. Bounce up in the air, hit the table, roll around like dice do, and then you will select which dice you want to keep. So you, this is that are... classic Yahtzee mechanic, right? Like yeah. this is the, you know, roll and lock, right? So yeah, you, you just goes yeah. way back to, I mean, I, I don't know if you can get more foundational on a dice game than, uh, than Yahtzee. Yeah. And what's cool here is each one of these dice is covered in these individually different mechanically different abilities that represent the character and uh you know you're trying to lock in enough of the right moves and a mix of the right moves to make it through to the next round of combat and it gets really tense i think one of the things i enjoyed most is this is just as much a strategic defense game as it is a strategic attack game because yeah. you can see your enemies, you can see what their moves are. You can see exactly what will happen if you do nothing. You know, this person's going to take 12 damage. This person's going to get poisoned. This person doesn't do anything for this round, but it's going to summon a demon or an imp. And you can 
try to do what you can to stop this from happening, or you can go all out because if you kill every enemy, it just ends. And yeah. it's a really nice game of, am I going to just kill them outright this round or do I need to defend and do a little damage and hold on in the hopes I can keep going? Um, yeah. And like, especially when you get some of these classes that are a mix of attack, defense, spells, um, cure, you know, you name it. You are trying to kind of remember what's on the die, guess what your odds are, you know, keep rolling. Am I covered? It's a really nice yeah. balance. Well, and so one thing we haven't mentioned yet, um, I go, although I suppose it's kind of implied by roll and lock, you, you have uh, the base difficulty because this game has different difficulties. Um, you get two re-rolls. So you roll your five and th there is definitely a quality uh, difference between the different sides of the dice. For instance, your your starting uh, defender, uh, most of their sides are shields. It's what it sounds like. It blocks incoming damage. But one of those sides is only one da uh, one shield, and then another side is two shield. But then there might be a side that is just a blank that does nothing for you, or there's a side that's like an attack of one or two. And you can see that your adept is going to take four damage and die this turn. So when you roll that first roll, you could get the one shield and say, I got it. I can defend this adept from dying with this one shield. I'm going to lock it in now. Or you might say, I, I can do better. I've got two more rolls. So I'm going to roll again and see if I can get that two shield or maybe there's some other way that I can say this adept. I don't want to lock in like my worst side on my first roll. And the deeper the game gets, we've I think we'll talk about it more in a minute, but there's like a full level up tree, a ton of items and whatnot. That sort of risk reward and that combination of gambling, essentially, that you're going to get the sides that you want um, is is a core gameplay of this and and it's a lot of fun too and you can see on the enemy side too you know they'll have more powerful attacks and they'll have weaker attacks and it's kind of luck of the draw on which ones you get the game actually says in its really good manual that this game is true rng and whether you like it or not there will be situations that you just roll really bad and the enemy rolls really good and it's game over. Like there's nothing you can do to stop it. Arguably you've probably, you know, a lot of decisions have led to that point where that good roll and your bad roll, you know, led to your downfall. But I definitely, I played this game a lot over the last few weeks and there've been some times where it's like really good run and then just, it all comes crashing down because of some bad RNG. And I kind of like that. I like that sort of, you know, uh, you never know. Element I love of when it. a game lets you manage randomness. Like mm -hmm. you can, you can kind of uh, manage and control it. That's the name of the game in so many randomness is great in games uh, because it gives you kind of that element of surprise and uh, uh, kind of a moment of, uh, of dread sometimes um, but having that level of control over it and doing like things like the Yahtzee mechanic 
I really enjoyed in particular that you can at any point click on one of your dice and or an enemy's die and be able to look at what's on all six of the sides. This yes, is yeah. so helpful because you don't have to remember what the full skill set is for each of your characters. Plus, it'd be very difficult because um, it does change over time. You are not locked into the same class at the beginning. That's part of the fun of this game is how you handle upgrades. But because it's asking you to change things to track and every time you're rolling five characters if all five are still there's, alive um there's a lot to remember right and and not yeah. many games would be as generous and let you just so easily it is as easy as picking a dice off the table mm-hmm. i yeah i think that's a good topic to to dig in a little bit on because i think the ui and the thoughtfulness of this game you know i think is what really one of the things that stood out to me um there's so many little elements of the ui one that is simple but i love it there's a big end turn button that you have to click when it's the end of your turn and if one of your characters is gonna die there's a little skull (laughs) there's a little skull on the big end turn not a little skull a big skull and for every one of your characters Mm -hmm. that will die when you click that button there's a big skull so you know if i click this they will die. And, and it's reinforced by them flashing red on the side. So yes. not only There's do you see indication. them bleeding out. You accepted this fate by clicking and <laughs> turn. Yeah. Now you might not have had anything to do to be able to block it, but at least the game made it really clear that like you're locking in this outcome. And I, this is and kind I of similar right. to, I, at the beginning, I, the game I was trying to remember the name of desperately was Into the Breach. Oh, um, oh, oh my god! One of my favorite games. So <laughs> into yeah, I know. <laughs> so Into the Breach has a similar element where, like, your number one job on a turn is um, to save not die. the lie to not die to save the yeah. lives of as many of your of your actors, you know, characters, what have you, robots, as possible. And it's true in this as well. And the way that every um, that they keep you constantly in jeopardy because I think I never had more than about like like seven or eight hit points. And oftentimes I would be very low on health through the entire combat and constantly yeah. having to re- refill by healing, blocking damage. And the way that it displays all of that, it, so it, not just the whether your character will live or die, but how much damage your character is taking this turn and kind of through inference how much damage you need to block or heal in order for them to survive that one critical more turn is really, really uh, clearly communicated and visually. It's like right yeah. on your hit health bar. Yeah, you don't have to do any of the like head calculations. So um, all of your characters have little red tick marks for their health. And if they're going to take damage, those little tick marks turn yellow. And mm-hmm. so if there's going to be uh, enough damage to reduce them to zero all of their red tick marks will be zero but if you apply a shield it will let's say you're let's say you have four hit points left and you're going to take four damage if you apply a shield that does two it's going to actually change the color of two of those four damage points to now be red instead of yellow and the character will stop blinking mm-hmm. because it it's you've applied the shield it knows that they're not going to die anymore and you can just work your way down through your actions seeing who do you need to save have you saved them yes or no it's and they even saved you 
Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it really makes each thing very distinct. That Like, healing and shielding, and then there's an alternate version of healing that's like bonus HP. Like, mm-hmm. In things like your first turn of the game, it's not at all weird in this game for the enemy to lock in attacks that will kill multiple characters in the first turn, right? Mm-hmm. And right. so it really drives home the distinction between these different ways of playing with the health bar. You know, on that turn one, healing is worthless because the characters are at full HP. So only the shields will help there. And then after that, the value of healing actually can be outstrip can outstrip the value of the shield. So yeah. Um really healing really cool. can help with healing can help with poison, which yeah. works works in the same way every video turn-based video game that has poison works, but shields don't help poison whereas healing does right it's and it's, it's really great smart. that the cure which is the poison or modifier thing is both a antidote and a cure which is yeah. a really nice change because often i've had it, it, it it's very good on the first round for example if some poison damage is coming in but you're like is that really a trade-off is it worth preventing poison when heal is going to do nothing like there's a lot yeah. of wonderful trade-offs in this game also, order matters way more than a lot of games because sometimes you can save everyone if you do stuff in the right order. And there's an undo button. May yeah, I sing the praise of the undo button? <laughs> we haven't mentioned that yet, but that's the biggest quality of life of thing of this game. I mean, it, it fundamentally changes the game in to benefit the player from like a... It changes the game to a like mix and match try out a bunch of different things and then lock in your final solution rather than like, Oh shit, I accidentally, you know, I healed this guy with my first action, but I actually could have killed the guy and, and done everything different. It lets you be thoughtful. You can undo all the way to the beginning of the turn. Well, you you can't reroll the dice rolls. That's this is is what I really love the the way that the turns play out because of that because you're rolling and locking in the dice and so as you're doing that you have to have a plan for how you're going to deal with the problem of this turn but then once you've locked in the dice now you're free to experiment a little bit with order and the order really matters so you know i'm pretty sure i have the ingredients to survive this turn but can i execute it in the right order and you're free to do it there is a little freedom too on the dice die rolling because when you you throw them all out and you lock if you for example if you've locked in a one shield and then another one rolls a um a shield that applies to multi characters mm. you can take that out of the slot as long as you're not out of rerolls but once you roll that last pair of that last round you are locked you're and done. there's no going back yeah. so there is even a little bit of uh ability like to play which i found really helpful especially in the last round when you're like just trying to get to 3 Three damage to kill. Like just sometimes those that locking unlocking came in handy. But like the number of times I got really greedy and ended up with blanks, extremely high. Yeah, absolutely. Can I talk about progression? Yeah. So the the way that progression works, every roguelike game has some kind of progression tree, and you know whether it's changing out cards in your deck or you know, leveling up your character, getting abilities or whatever. Uh, it's always one of the most core things here. And they, just like everything else, Slice and Dice keeps that really simple. Uh, there are two kinds of progression. So you start off with that full suite of uh, five uh, characters. Each one of those characters, as you finish each level, will either 
give you a chance to level them up and change their class. So there's really no distinction between leveling up and changing your class and, uh, or get an item and changing the class. This game has 60 different hero classes that you can progress with through and try different ones. When you change the class, you're basically switching the die out for another die. And I think there's a tree. Uh, I didn't get a full sense, but there's like a, there there's a tree structure. Yeah. So there's each, each like archetype, your, your rogue archetype, your like defender archetype. There's three levels within mm. each. There's level one, which is what you start at. There's level two, and then there's level three. And for each archetype, there's a, a small amount, but a, a handful of different level two uh, versions of that archetype and then a handful of level three versions for each archetype. Mm -hmm. So you don't know, and, and they're not necessarily like the rogue becomes the assassin and mm -hmm. then the assassin becomes the elite assassin or whatever. It's more like the rogue or the, the barbarian becomes the bard, you know, or yeah. the, uh, the, ad the adept becomes the sorcerer or the like firemonger or whatever, right? They're like completely different class types. Yeah, the way they phrase it in the handbook is there's no hero level up path. You always get a random hero of the appropriate color and level. So a two goes yeah. to a three, but who knows? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And they, they can be very different. They, they have oftentimes like a completely switched out um, set of abilities on the dice. And... The, so that's one way that you can progress is by getting stronger and stronger hero dice. And then the second way you can progress is with items and items modify the dice. And they do things like um, switch out the uh, you know two opposite sides of the dice uh, for different abilities. Like maybe you can drop it on. The dice can be applied to any of the different characters. Uh, to switch out some of the sides. And every character can hold up to two different items. So you have a great deal of customization you can do. Yeah, I've, I've got a... Um, uh, and there's over 170 I've, I've items. I've got an uh, active game. game right next to me, so I'll just I'll just run through some of the items that I have. I The, the range is really Please. interesting. So uh, the caster route, blank sides become heal one. So it converts all the blank sides on that individual character's dice into a heal which is very, very nice. Uh, study, you learn a new spell. We have not talked about spells. Um, tasty sandwich, plus one reroll. Very powerful. Uh, fletch, uh, fletching, add ranged to the left side. Your enemies, classic RPG, they, they can be front row or back row, right? Um, mm -hmm. Again, they keep it so simple. There is, you know, there is positioning, but it's just as simple as well. You have to get get the guys in front before unless you, can you have get ranged, the guys in back, right? Yeah, and unless you have a bow. There is one item that I I think is appropriately named the chaos wand, the chaos wand, and it is basically all of the conditions at once. So it replaces the middle of the die with one damage that is single use, cleave, engage, drain, weaken, and vulnerable. But by the time you <laughs> get to it. the Ability of getting the chaos one, you're almost done with the game and you have seen all of these conditions, so it's okay. It all makes sense to you. It all makes yeah. sense. It's it's very titrated. You're not going to get inundated with 18 different issues right at once. Yeah. And the the, the range of classes just like 
I don't know if the tutorial says how many different die sides they've created, but there's there's a vampire, you know, that does all the things you yeah, yeah 36 rules. enemies. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much like this game when you start it, you're like, okay, like I get it. This is fun. I love I love rolling dice. The dice rolling mechanic on this is fun and seems pretty straightforward. It's not necessarily the most challenging, depending on like how your first your you know the RNG goes for you. And then after a, a couple games, it's like, wow, there is a lot under the hood on this game, and there are so many different combinations of classes and items and bad guys it, it just it's it's i found it to be very very repeatable and replayable and there are a lot of different uh I, i've been playing on hard now that adds modifiers like the way they do hard mode it's pretty it's pretty clear and and direct you get you choose what modifier you want to add to the game and then it tracks like which modifiers you've won with. So to play on hard mode will be something like subtract one reroll. So now you only have one reroll or all enemies have plus 20% health. And then there's unfair mode, which just adds three of the four hard uh, <laughs> uh, modifiers, which I've not tried yet. But like it's it's like all of the things with this game, it's everything is clear you know what you're getting into it it's uh it's really really fun and i've been enjoying it a lot i mean it's even little oh, quality yeah. of life things like the smaller uh minion type enemies are little squares and the slime queens and the hydras are huge you know like yeah. it's it's little things like that that are just they don't change the game mechanically, but they make it much easier to like figure it out. If, if there's a huge mega attack coming, the bar, like the little line that shows you who it's going to attack is incredibly thick. <laughs> yeah, um, you can know right away. And pulsing. Like, you know, that's a really bad attack that's going to happen. Like, none of this was necessary. It just needed a line. But it's just those little things that make you feel like the attack will be bad and you, you get a little bit of like tension that you wouldn't if it was just another orange yeah. line. Yeah. The art design, how would you describe it? It's like classic dungeon crawling, you know, all the little sprites and images just look kind of exactly what you would think a, uh, a basilisk would look like or, uh, you mm -hmm. know, it's really clear fantasy um, pixel art. And uh, the pixel art is excellent, but I think where it really shines is in the little things. Um, like the, the the way that they present things like the unrolled version of the dice that shows when you're looking at the character's little character sheet. Um, th this is a game where the, the pixel art and the text is presented with really huge, mm -hmm. chunky pixels. And it... It works really well, I, which I'm very jealous of the people, I guess, on Android yeah. who are playing this on their phones. I don't know why he's not gotten. I'm sure there's a reason that he's he, they haven't gotten this game onto my iPhone yet. Uh, it seems like it would be or really like tablet. For, for I think device. this is like that would be the perfect. Yeah. I have to assume it's the same difficulties everyone runs into with getting on yeah. Apple, the licensing fees and, and process, you know. Mm -mm. Yeah, but this is like this is a, a game that people 
would be paying full price for, I suspect. I, I, I think if, if anything, there's a, I did run into the problem of trying to find it on iOS, um, kind of as I was trying to download the game in the first place and finding out that there's like 15 things on the iPhone store called <laughs> Slice and Dice already. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did. I, I failed to, uh, in the reverie of celebrating Reagan and uh, the new baby, we kind of forgot to do the the classic intro of, of where you can find this game. It's on uh, Itch. It's $7, which is a steal. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also on Android. So if you have an Android device, you can play it on mobile. And there's a free demo. Uh, there's a free demo for the Mac Windows version, and there's a free demo on Android where it's um, IEP to or Act Purchase. I don't know why I abbreviated that. Um, <laughs> I've had an abbreviation full day of playing my job. Lot. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting. It has a Mac, a, a really, I've been playing it on Mac, a really good Mac version, but not uh, App Store version yet. So hopefully that's coming. Um, it was created by Tan. Couldn't find a lot of information about them, but the, uh, the art was done by A3UM, so a real indie project here. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really glad that it was recommended to us. This is um, also filling a niche that I normally have to go to an iPhone game for, which is a game with, like, some sound effects, but I can listen to something else at the same time. So, like, it yes. is my perfect podcast friend. This was a big-time podcast game for me as well. Though I, I will say that the yeah, sound effects totally. were nice. and Oh, they're great. Not, they're very, you know, the dice rolling mm-hmm. sounds great. And I don't know this for sure, but there's a sound effect uh, when you select the dice that I'm pretty sure is a human going, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> before we stop talking about where to get this game i i want to i want to call out a little bit more about um the title which i think is maybe the biggest um it's obviously it's a great name um because it's slicing and it's incredibly dice, literal but it's it's incredibly literal and if you go to itch.io which is the main storefront selling this and you search for slice and dice this is the ninth thing down the list uh because there are there's one two three four uh five uh six games before it on the list that have exactly the name slice and dice and there's one that's named dice and slice there's one with an ampersand there's one with an apostrophe n instead of the and um there's dice slice and there's Slice and Dice Adventures. And all of those come before Slice and Dice when searching for exactly this game's name uh, in the main storefront selling it. So this is just a, I, I think I think that could be Use a our show note link. We don't, it's not an affiliate link. We don't get any money from it. We just want you to find the right place. For, for what yes. it's worth, I just Googled Slice and Dice game, and this was right at the top. You know, so but I don't I, know if it's because we've been now. clicking on it. So, yeah, uh, that's a good point. But um, I'm pretty sure that's how I found it first. So, um, but yeah, obviously, it's a very generic title. It's a perfect title for what it is. But it, yeah, there's really hard to distinguish this between other games um, or really just, I guess, the act of slicing and dicing something. This is a uh, a pretty indie game. So. Give it some love. Maybe we'll help it uh, 
show up better in in search engines. Uh, Laura, you, I just clicked through. Uh, I just clicked through to the artist that did the pixel art, which again is excellent. And uh, they have a set of uh, Magic: The Gathering pixel art tokens that they have made. And I am going to see if I can order those because those would be sweet nice. in some of my decks, especially mm. this zombie. Very nice. There, there's a lot of little details in this too. I know we've been talking about it, but Laura, you mentioned it earlier and I just want to make sure it gets some love. The The little characters will actually talk every once in a while and it's usually in response to something that you're doing. So if you heal someone who's about to die, you'll get a little speech bubble. That'll Thanks, be like, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Or whew, you know, just little little character details like that that make this game feel more alive that um, you know, I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, and I, it, also the, I love an achievement that's sassy. Um, for example, I got uh, earlier than you'd think the indecisive achievement, which is that I um, hit undo 100 times <laughs> and that unlocked a new hero. The Jester, which is just shade on top of shade. like That's so funny. Yeah, there's a ton of achievements and unlockables. And if most of it's masked, like you don't know you have you hit an achievement until it's until you've done it, like what Laura was saying. And I kind of like that because it will be something you don't really know you're you're working towards something. And sometimes it'll be simple stuff like kill five trolls. And now you have a new item, the like troll tier or whatever. Um, and then there's good bits like the one Laura shared. Yeah. They also even, if you are exploring the menu, they have some challenges hidden there, but they're pretty optional. Like those, you can, almost everything is hidden, um, which is really fun to me. Like there are new modes, all this extra stuff, but uh, it'll take you, I don't think, you're probably not going to win all 20 levels on your first go round. No. You're definitely not. All right. Well, unless you're Nate, is that Nate saying he did? I I would not normally bring this up, but you just said you're definitely not. I didn't say you're definitely. I said you're probably. Shane did. Shane did. So I will say I did win my first round. Of course. And it made me. (laughs) Nate could never do this. (laughs) But then I lost my subsequent two. So Uh. it's that's where like there is. I, I think I got lucky on the rng side you know and i did the perfectly classical like got to 12 got to 18 beat the game on the third like i actually went in the nice correct order of achievement yeah yeah Yeah, i had i think i i won my first one was like okay you know i guess this is cool and then on my second one i died at like turn 11 i was like it actually made me like the game more you know because i was like okay now i I'm starting to get it a little bit more. Um, but I'd say me winning on the first one was less a like, you know, a humble brag thing and more a testament to this game being super clear right out of the gates with its mechanics. Because if you like these sorts of games, which I do, you can you can settle right in right out of the gates. Like you'll learn a lot more and you'll get better as you play, but you can win on your first one because everything is so clear and so defined that like it's there's a lot of standard gameplay in here just in a way that I, at least i have not um encountered before and i love rolling dice who doesn't right after we're done recording i'm going to be playing some yes. D to put to roll some dice so i think it's fair to say you know that we we really really recommend this game um this is there there's not a whole lot more to say if this sounds appealing to you 
or even slightly appealing to you, super recommend checking it out. Um, support an indie developer. Try out a, a fun, simple but deep game um, that we all had a lot of fun with. Um, any other sort of closing thoughts from from YouTube before we move to the next segment? You won't regret this one. It's going to be really nice, like back of your. We didn't talk about how long this takes, but um, the site said maybe thirty minutes to an hour to yeah. like. I I think it won't be more than like an hour and a half, even if you're really indecisive and go the full way. Per yeah, round. full win. I think an hour, hour and fifteen. If you're it, that, that's definitely an you know this game you can suffer from analysis paralysis a little mm. bit. Um, but yeah, it, it shouldn't take more than an hour and a half on a winning run, and then of course some runs might be only 20 minutes but to 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 reiterate the the ease of use of this game like i have found this to be an infinitely like stoppable at any moment mm-hmm. like even even mid turn because of the undo button you can just close the lid of your laptop or whatever at any point and go and do something else uh and pick up right where you left off which i think really works for it's not our, like loop hero purpose. where i was like if i in this game i will not remember what any of these tiles do well a lot of roguelikes you're getting your run going you know you're getting a feel for it you you're like you've got a lot of intricate whatever and you kind of need to finish that run before you mm-hmm. end your session i don't think that's this at all I, th- I i i mean at least from personal experience i've closed it you know middle of round 19 and picked it up three days later and been like okay like here i am i i know i remember generally where i'm at and what i'm ready to do and you just pick back up and ready to go it's so rare and that 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 makes us <laughs> a game that i'm more likely return to than a lot of yeah. others yeah it's become sort of a um a good little you know time killer a little fun little thing to pick up and a fun little game to show people too because it's kind of easy to explain in 30 seconds when you're showing someone so um yeah so super recommend it so we've got some uh we've got some time i think it's time for us to do a uh what's making me happy laura i'll kick it to you first so i have a bit of a highbrow pick but it's not like super highbrow um it is a science book called an immense world by ed young and this is a book i picked up because someone was like oh i now take my dog on scent walks because of this book because like i don't know what those (laughs) words mean um but the book is about how animals experience the world um it is about how many ways there are to perceive the world around us and extensively footnoted and it's like the jumping spider has 16 eyes but like they only can do this and they can do that and um they keep showing animals and it's their cool thing so for the example of dogs it's mostly things like um dogs are mostly experience the world through scent versus their eyes and yet we are like moving them past scent too fast and that's why like dog scent walks me really calming um Mm. It's one of those books that you need to read slowly because it's actually going to explain neuroscience to you. And if you just read it, like that actually needs to, like you need to understand how eyes work to understand why ultraviolet, like seeing an ultraviolet is cool. 
Um, so it <laughs> okay. like keeps you like you need to understand how the human eye works so you can compare it to animals and how the neuroscience works. And it is really slow and it's a very nice way of explaining it. But you can't like gobble a chapter. This is a book that I loved and borrowed from the library and had for 21 days and got 30% through and I've just put it back on the hold list and I'm going to finish <laughs> it later. I got through the sense of smell and I got through um, directional eyes and I got through eye spectrums. I have not even gotten into the really weird stuff about like how platypuses can uh, sense electrical vibrations <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. But it's so nice and like piecemeal that um, the idea is basically that humans are centered and seeing the world through our own uh, experience. And we have kind of misinterpreted animals because of it. So here's the anecdote that will make this make sense. So why do zebras have stripes? All the zoo signs growing up were like, it is camouflage so that lions can't see them in the trees, right? Right. Or like, so zebras can identify each other. I thought it was... I always thought it was so that uh, the lions couldn't tell one zebra yes, from the other. Yes, but here's the thing. Lions' eyes are terrible. So like a big man. And by the time a lion can see uh -huh. a zebra's stripes, they can smell a zebra <laughs> so much better because their sense of smell is better. So like, they have to be within 60 feet, and they can smell the zebra. Ah. So the stripes are like stink lines that trick the lion into thinking that the zebra they have nothing to do with lions yeah. whatsoever Chains. <laughs> but here's the thing <laughs> they actually like so everyone was like and the other thing they're like oh it must be so zebras can tell each other apart turns out zebras also have terrible eyes and zebras blur the lines so zebras can't even see those damn lines so why do zebras have stripes they've discovered it's because horseflies get confused and won't land on zebras so it has nothing Should've to do known. with vision whatsoever. Should have known it was horseflies. It's always horseflies. But they recently got to this because That's they stupid. first had to realize, like, we just assumed it's because we have better vision, that it must be something about vision and vision being important. Zebras can't see them and lions can't see them. It's just for uh, horseflies. Okay. And it's that kind of like, oh... And horseflies don't even see them very well. Yeah, either, it's just apparently. one of those like, oh, the world is different. It's way weirder, weirder than, than you than thought, thought it would be books. Read it in small bits. It's it's fantastic. fantastic. Um, I look forward to in three weeks getting another anecdote where I'm like, the world is wrong, everybody. <laughs> Sounds like a, like a Bill Bryson book, but for for science. It's for Bill. It's a Bill Bryson book, but it's a lot more like the world is fundamentally unknowable. Yeah. And Bill Bryson was like, I will learn how the world uh, works. <laughs> and yeah. Young is like, you can't. His previous you book was never. I Contain Multitudes, which was about germs. And just as much as like, germs are too fucking weird, man. <laughs> so, um, uh, hard, but you're going to feel smart. I can't, mm -hmm. uh, I can't yeah. wait to check it out. Um, I, Oh, if I can see it, um, my uh, my my pick this week. I, I have a show recommendation okay. for you guys that I've just been loving. Um, it's just gotten its second season. I guess the second season has just wrapped up. Um, 
I have just started that second season because I'm never on time with things. The show is called Primal, or also known as uh, Jendi Tartofsky's Primal. Uh, Jendi Tartofsky, hopefully I have said that correctly, is a uh, animator who was kind of involved in everything from like Samurai Jack to the Powerpuff Girls uh, to Batman the Animated Series. He's kind of animation royalty, I guess. I, I don't know. His name's on the show. Um, and the setup is fantastic. So this is a show that is set in a kind of um, anachronistic prehistory. And I guess the most important thing to know about the show is that it is completely Ooh. wordless because the nice. main character is a Neanderthal and he becomes uh, close friends with a T-Rex. <laughs> and what a, what a it conceit. Is a, <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yeah, so this show is full. This show is like a, a perfect stew of like weird genre shit that I love. Uh, it has like fantasy. It has horror. It has like prehistoric. It gives me like intense Conan vibes. And that's very, very key to me. And uh, the animation is really, really good. This is, I mean, it's its silent, so you know it's going to be doing the visual storytelling. Uh, not entirely silent, I mean, just no words. Um, there's a lot of, you know, shouting and screaming sure. and yeah. you know, wonderful music. Um, and uh, it is, it has like a, a, a 10 episodes in the first season. Uh, the, the relationship between, the, the characters are not like, named per se but they're credited as spear and fang um and i don't really want to spoil anything for it because the story is kind of kind of light what it is is it's very episodic uh but it ha does have a kind of a through a through line and a narrative and the um at first i was like oh this is going to be a great show for me to watch with my son he loves dinosaurs do not watch this with children <laughs> uh this is uh intensely violent and uh, very scary at parts. It has some horror elements in it that are uh, very over the top. And uh, so I, I guess I shouldn't say that much more about it because, I mean, it's like I said, the story is very light and, and uh, the episodes themselves are, in, in fact, very short. I think about 20 minutes. Uh, but there are some really fantastic moments in this show. And uh, the the storyboards for this must have been well. On that, I I just really I have it. not seen the show, and I wasn't familiar with it. But I first encountered this a couple weeks ago when I was looking at the like behind the scenes Emmy nominations, and I was looking at animation. I was like, "What is this show called?" Primal, because they are nominated like in individual achievement, which is when they call out the character artist storyboard. I was like, "They have like all of them, <laughs> like all almost all the categories." And then I looked up last year, and I was yeah. like their storyboard, their character artists, like three people won the like three out of the five animation Emmy nominations and were or wins yeah. were for this. Um they won I think they also won best um program. Uh and it's just like I, I just remember they had it it was like secession. It was like all of the nominations were for Primal yeah. and I was like I've never heard of this. And Primal and Arcane were the only things that really got nominated this year. Absolutely. This deserves all the praise. Um, I mean, just the the concept alone of like 
guy and a dinosaur. What what I more mean, can you ask terrific. for? Frankly, you know, uh, it it scratches an itch I didn't know I had. Like I I this is this is uh, it is it is not. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds interesting. I'll have to check it out. Um, well, I've got a uh, I've got a couple things. I haven't been on this show for uh, a few weeks. So I got I've got two. Uh, one will be short, but first. We're heading into spooky season. I know I'm a little late on this, but have either of you watched the show Midnight Mass? No, no. but I went to a party where everyone talked about it the entire time last year. Yeah, I I feel like it's it's having a little bit of a rub. It it came out last year around this time. And I think there's like because, you know, we're getting into spooky season, people are exploring it again. And I've been seeing more people talking about it and. And uh, Molly and I watched it. I really don't want to spoil anything, but it is one of the most compelling shows that I think I've ever watched. It's a mini series. It's a one and done event. Uh, it was created by Mike Flanagan, who did um, The Haunting of Hill House, which I've not seen, but people really like. I'm not a big spooky guy. And uh, this is one of my favorite things I've watched in a long time. So it is a um, imagine if pe- vampires were real, but someone believed that the vampire was actually an angel sent by God and how that would impact a small town of devout religious people. Uh it's it's incredibly compelling it's uh i hope you like monologues the show is heavy on monologues i feel like theater kids we're all we're all theater kids so this is you know it lines up with us but i feel like theater kids for a generation are going to be doing scenes from midnight mass because uh they just let them rip left and right full scene chewing monologues uh it's i i really really enjoyed it i'm trying not to get too specific because part of the whole show is sort of you know following its unfolding um but i i i don't make a lot of show recommendations because i don't watch a lot of tv frankly but this show it's it's incredible uh laura i'm honestly surprised you haven't yeah, seen it i think like if i yeah. if there's one person in my life that this recommendation is like directly targeted at it it's at you but i think i'm already you- trying to figure out when i will be able to watch it around my spooky averse husband um because last yeah. year i think i was busy watching evil and uh uh, yellow jackets and i was like yeah. okay that's all the stuff i can fit in when he's not at home so like this year my spooky agenda is not full and he's traveling again so like for, for what it's party. worth for what it's worth it's more psychological thriller than it is like um you know just like on the screen spooky shit like okay. there is some on the screen spooky shit but like it's way more like art house. What is it? <laughs> what does it mean to be a human than it is like? Oh God! I hope I don't get attacked. You know, um, it's so weird though. He watched all of Hannibal, so like I, it, I so don't know what. Then, then it, it's way more Hannibal than it is. Okay, like uh, I don't know, oh, it's a horror movie. You Great. Know? 
then it, maybe there's a prayer. It's yeah. Uh, there's a prayer. That's uh, it's, yeah. It's that, a that's very. A, <laughs> yeah. You're like, or um, is there? <laughs> or is there? Yeah. Uh, so I I can't recommend it enough. Um, I just watch it and you know let me know what you think. Um, mm. and then the other one I just want to say I've been playing a I, I basically have one long game going in my life at a time and it takes me like six months to do anything so i finished horizon zero dawn it took me nine months to get through that 40 hour game and now i'm on to my next uh you know long game and i finally picked up disco elysium which has been uh on my list forever and it's incredible i mean i know that's not a uh a new take or anything everyone loves this game but i I didn't know what I was getting myself into with it. And um, it feels good, like leading into uh, IF comp season. It's a it's it's more like visual novel than really anything else. But um, I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, Just the uh, the like the choice based mechanisms that they've managed to build into this game are are incredible. And I've not really played anything like it. So. I don't want to go too long on this, but I'm I'm really really loving it. I I hope ev- everyone out there should try Disco Elysium because it's it's I've never seen any or played anything like it before. I I really want to play it too. Maybe maybe we can find some way for us to cover it for the yeah, show, listeners. If if you want us to play um, a game that's like a million <laughs> hours long and skip. Uh, and skip like a, a quarter of a season of uh, of this show. It's uh, the most short game game that is in no way, shape, or form short. Like I can't like in every other yeah. way, it's designed for us. Except the length is a normal length yeah. of a game. I, I I keep thinking I'm getting near the end, and I'm like, oh shit, there's so much more going on. You know, it's it is dense it is one of the most dense games that i think i've i've ever played and i think it's only technically like 25 to 30 something hours but your mileage super varies because it depends on how fast you can read and like how much you want to explore the world um and i think if you're anything like us on this show if you're gonna play this game you're gonna want to explore this world so it's a uh you know i think it's it's a longer game but yeah i i mean i would love to t- i could i could talk about this game I think an entire pod there and maybe there is there. I think an entire podcast, like not episode, but you could do like a disco Elysium show and yes. there would be, there would be plenty to talk about for a long time. And from what I understand, it's also like been picked up for a TV show, which I, my initial reaction to that is always, Oh no. Um, but now that I've played the game enough, like, with the right crew, the right writing team and, and director and whatnot, like it could be incredible because what this game manages to accomplish, the world building that it does is is wild. So I hope I hope that the show is good. I'll be checking it out. Uh so that's it, I guess. That's our that'll wrap up this episode on on uh Slice and Dice. Thank you both for playing this game with me. And uh, you know, it's it's a fun game and fun little episode so uh let me take a little stab at the outro i know reagan uh has this all written down uh or i assume he does otherwise how could he do it exactly the same every time um but thank you for listening to the short game um we are a listener supported podcast 
which means that you can follow us on Patreon at, I presume you Google that and find us there. Um, and you can find us on the web. We have a website at the short game. That's, that's, that's the Twitter, uh, the, nope. da, at HTTP, the short game, the short game we'll dot net. and no, the, the, the Twitter short game at underscore net. short game. <laughs> At underscore short game on Twitter. Um, we are not on Instagram or TikTok uh, or Reddit or any of the other platforms you might want to find us on. So tough luck. Um, and uh, if you support our podcast on that Patreon for just a dollar a month, you get access to Discord, one of the few social networks we are on. And uh, through that Discord, you can chat with us about games. Uh, this is a great time to do it because we have IF Comp coming up, and IF Comp always generates a lot of discussion. I also think if you get on there and uh, I've hit some sort of uh, financial threshold, it will prompt Reagan to uh, mail you stickers. However, I'm not promising anything. Uh, yeah, Laura, I think you're right. Five bucks is the sticker level. Um, but if you do that right now, I would say don't expect those stickers right away because Reagan has his hands full. Um, am I missing anything? Um, you can follow us on Twitter no? uh, at underscore the short game. And you can follow me personally at Laura J. Nash and Nate at. It's we are so we're all so bad. It's underscore short game, not underscore the short game. Why don't we just do we just like roll back? <laughs> let's, start this, let's start this. No, thing. no, no. Just oh, leave. No. I'm gonna lie. I'm gonna yeah. So uh, you can follow us individually on Twitter, where we love to get uh, personal game recos. Uh, you can follow me at Eight Bit Shane. Laura, where can people find you? At Laura J Nash and Nate. You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And also, I want to take a moment to shout out someone who left us a delightful review on iTunes uh, or on Apple Podcasts, rather. Um, Anani Mist. They said, hi, I'm new to the podcast and left us a really, really nice and thoughtful review. So thank you to Anani Mist. And thank you to anyone who takes the time to pick up their phone and leave us a nice review. We're marching towards 100, and we appreciate everyone who has taken the time and urge you to do the same if you have not. And that'll do it for this episode. Next week, we begin our coverage of IF Comp, our favorite time of the year. So again, congrats to Reagan and family, and we will be back next week, as always, with another episode of The Short Game. Until then, bye, everyone. Bye. See ya.